listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to take a deep dive into the very near future. In fact, the future we're going to dive into exists already, not in some phantasmagorical sense, but it, it lives, it exists already. This future dystopian, utopian, whatever you want to call it, brave new world, it's here. I mean, we're not waiting for it to arrive. Just look at the video clips of the speeches and the presentations coming out of the World Economic Forum and their uh, global meetings. And then you look at the video interviews. All of this stuff is available on the Internet. There's, there's, it's being broadcast. It's being transmitted. It's being sent over the Internet uh, in so many different forms. I'm looking in front of me at a, at a meeting. Of, of the top scientific players, the top movers and shakers of Elon Musk's, you know, super artificial intelligence company that is called Neuralink. And so you hear, let, let me play a, a tiny micro clip of it in just a second so you can get a feel, you can get a feel for what's going on. I mean, this is not, none of this is hidden. It's all out in plain sight. It's being made available on the internet. It's being made available on not mainstream TV channels. You know, the, probably the overwhelming number of people that listen to the Paul McGuire report, you are connected for information because you are a consumer. I hate that word. I shouldn't even have used it. But you are a consumer. You know, I really hate that word, and I'll tell you why. I remember when I was a kid, I'm not going to say I was third grade. I know I've burned that out, you know, completely. But maybe I'll move down to second grade or fourth grade. But I remember in my childhood, and it probably was in public school, where I was being happily brainwashed. I mean, unhappily, very unhappily brainwashed. You know, after we got to the A B C D E, you know, that stuff and the basic mathematics. So I, even back then, even back then, the social engineering had begun, because I remember sitting there in the classroom, reading one of the assigned textbooks. It's amazing how, and maybe you're the same way, I don't know, but I have these, I, have, I continually have flashbacks. No, not LSD flashbacks. You know, LSD flashback is when you took the drug LSD and then a certain amount of months or weeks or whatever, you have, uh, your mind automatically uh, goes back into like uh, uh, LSD flashback mode. So you're like, it's as if somebody gave you the dosage of LSD again, and you're kind of reliving the experience. Uh, and it works for the bad stuff, and it works for the good stuff. I mean, guys and girls that have been wounded serving our country uh, can have or come back from the war with PSTD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Which, which is kind of a neurological memory flashback where you, you kick in and, and your brain kicks in and you uh, relive the memories of the battlefield. So that's a, that's a certain kind of flashback. And so your mind intellectually and with your memory uh, can have flashbacks. And I have flashbacks all the time. And by flash, flashbacks, I want to further tighten the definition to avoid being misunderstood. By flashback, I mean all of a sudden my memory is like super energized, and for whatever reason, I will go back to a particular period in, in time in my life in the past, 
And for whatever reason, I will remember a particular situation, uh, an interaction, something that happened. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be even mundane, you know. I, so, but whatever it was, it stuck in my memory all these years. And I, I flash back and I remember it. Now, the way my mind works, I, I flash back to, you know, personal memories, childhood memories, school memories, and things like that. Many of you probably have experienced the same thing. But I also will flash back constantly to concepts, to awareness, to perception of the world around me. So I, I distinctly remember being in school, grammar school at this particular time, and um, for whatever reason, in, in this flashback memory, I, I saw myself reading from the, the school textbook and then coming across the words consumer. And then, then as the class went on, you know, the subsequent weeks and months or whatever, I, in the flashback, I momentarily would, would hear that word being used a lot, consumer. In fact, I remember thinking as a young boy, gee, they're overusing that word. It's like they're trying to, I felt like they were trying to sell me something by continually using the word consumer in places that, that I, in my you know, not very finite understanding, thought was odd or imposed. You know, why are you always using this word consumer? But the consumer wants this, the consumer wants that. And I always felt a sense of indignation and a certain amount of rebellion that a system, you know, a system would confer upon me a title, which also reflects, if somebody's giving you a title, they're also in part giving you an identity, good, bad, or ugly. So titles are weird. Titles and symbols are weird because they can reflect uh, both a positive and a negative identity, possibility or limitation as to who you are. And I resented it. I resented the fact that, and you may say, this guy is crazy. Yeah, well, maybe I'm crazy. But you know what? In a world, you walk through an insane asylum where people are literally crazy and screaming and shouting and everything else. And if people didn't know who you are and you just kept a regular face, or they saw you acting sanely, you would be considered, if you were sane and visiting an insane asylum, you were the one that would be considered insane because your behavior, mental and otherwise, would be completely different than all those people who, who have been theoretically diagnosed as crazy. So, so, you know, I was crazy or not, I was, I was observing these things. These, these things are higher level, level things that they, they flow from what could be called higher level thought. Now, America has been collectively dumbed down on purpose through social engineering because it's much easier for the elite that pretend they don't exist if you watch their uh, mainstream media, etc. The elite hide behind the mirage that, uh, you know, everything is just going along as it should be or randomly or whatever. And they always hide behind any, any questions that begin to arise, which question like, who are the elite? What are they doing? What is their plan? That's always mocked and demonized and ridiculed as if that's crazy talk. 
No, it's not crazy talk. In fact, far from that. That is the primary fundamental type of thinking that every human being should be engaged in, at least on an occasional nominal level, because you cannot understand why you're alive, who you are, what your purpose in life is, if you don't understand the fundamental basics of your existence, like who you are in relationship to society, what is society, who controls society, and on and on and on. So I remember flashing back numerous times and paying attention to the word consumer, which bothered me. It bothered me because even at that very young age, I was aware and, and uh, well aware that by being called a consumer, somebody you know, way up there on the, the pyramid of learning, knowledge, and power, somebody or a committee or a group or a, like a United Nations educational division like UNESCO or the World Economic Forum or whatever, some big globalist entity had decided through various committees to, to deliberately use the word within education, they mandated the excessive use of the word consumer. Now, you may say, well, what are you talking about? Just stay with me for a couple of seconds. Stay with me for a couple of seconds, and this will open something up to you. Maybe you thought about it before. Most likely you didn't. This will open something up to you on a deeper level. So deeper level thinking just does not go along with the flow, so to speak, and parrot words you've been taught without thinking about them, or absorb, absorbing the deeper meaning of words as they apply to your life physically and psychologically. No, a person who's really alive, not partially alive, you know, let's, let's revisit zombie land for a moment. A person that is alive in the fullest sense of the definition, is a person that is employing, well, see, I, I just got caught, got caught subconsciously in the very trap I'm trying to expose. It was quite interesting that as I'm talking to you, you heard me subconsciously use the word employed. Now, that's weird, because I don't habitually use the word employed. But that word, just like the word consumer, is an extremely powerful word because it connotates, in its full essence, the word employed connotates the acknowledgement of a somewhat hidden social system or social order. And this social order and social system is so deeply embedded into our society that uh, countless millions of people who are being indoctrinated with globalist presets and globalist perspectives, you're indoctrinated, which means you pick up the, the identity, the title, the concept, you're picking it up subconsciously all the time. It's become part of you. And as such, it, it becomes a very powerful agent informing, informing your perception of yourself and then forming your core identity, how you perceive yourself, and you act upon, we all act upon, uh, how we see ourselves, how we perceive ourselves. And so when we're given an identity, subliminally, subconsciously, an identity that's slipped under the radar screen so, uh, so far in our brain, when we're given identities, subtly and covertly, identities like 
what is meant by the word consumer, and then what is meant by the word employed, okay, which I slipped out and said. I said the word employed, slipping it out, not being conscious of it. And that doesn't usually happen to me, but I wanted to bring your attention to it because it reflects the very thing that I'm talking about, which is that all of us have, throughout our life, lifetimes, we have been subjected to ongoing social engineering, ongoing programming of our personalities, and the ongoing embedding of certain core concepts that form our identity, who we are, our relationship to the surrounding social economic order, and all kinds of things. So you see, we didn't just emerge with our different identities. Or, or being embedded with concepts like uh, employed or employer. These things were, were deliberately and strategically placed in us by social engineering, marketing techniques, and the educational system itself. Okay, so this is what all that means. The globalist elite in our society, which do exist, they're not a mythology, the globalist elite of our society, as well as the creators and innovators of things like the world brain and the hive mind, they have for hundreds and hundreds of years created titles, created identities for the masses to accept, just like you would put on a, uh, an outfit or clothing or whatever, uh, and that forms to whatever degree your identity. So the globalist elite, the puppet masters, have been working behind the scenes, shaping and molding a specific identity for you to live your life in, just like if you were to purchase or lease or whatever a certain kind of car or vehicle, that vehicle that you, sp that you drive around in, that you pay for, if you drive around in that vehicle, uh, the whole, the whole reason many vehicles are bought or purchased is they, they make the illusory promise that if you buy this, you know, Ram truck or you buy this, uh, you know, battery-powered, uh, small but very efficient vehicle uh, or whatever you buy, it connects and it establishes and it further creates what is called your identity, who you are, okay? Or, and it can express your identity. So, it is not an accident that when children go to school, like my own example to you, when children go to school, one of the primary reasons, and this is an exact quote, and I have the quote in my book, uh, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, where I quote a promise of a, a, a very famous and influential global educator and the head of you know, like global education for, for either planet Earth or the United States, a person that can implement policies which will control the identity of you and your children and your grandchildren. So these people who, who formed UNESCO, uh, that's part of the United Nations, the United Nations Educational Scientific Organization, they, they have meetings with scholars and, and literary experts and psychologists, etc. And they, 
they deliberately rewrite the vocabulary. They rewrite the terms that they're going to emphasize and prioritize. They rewrite the language forms that our children will be seeing and learning and reading. And, and it's all done systematically, it's done psychologically, and it's done uh, intentionally. Because how you codify and how you program the brains of children and adults through media, educational systems, etc., produces people who then will grow their identity based on the names that are given to define them, based on the names that are given to them by the mass culture to define them, and, and based on uh, the names they are given that will define them, but not only define them, it will create their identity of who they are and how they will live their life within this system we call reality inside another reality that we call America. So, I noticed this conspicuous usage of the word consumer. Now, why it bothered me is, is up until that time, I was well aware of the word consumer. Whenever I heard consumer, because when I was really young, going to the earlier grades, I distinctly remember, remember not ever hearing, or if I heard it, it was like once, but basically I never heard the word consumer being used as a definition or a title of the people and the masses of our society and world. It, it appeared to me, based on my limited perception, it appeared to me that, that this decision to call the young students consumers at a very young age was a deliberate, intentional social engineering and programming system. Why? Because it didn't exist. I never heard the word consumer being used uh, in reference to the definition of who people are. Not until I got into this particular grade where in my textbooks I was reading about the consumer, in the classroom I was hearing about the consumer, and the unmistakable, gigantic communication that was occurring between the, the consciousness and the learning of the globalist elite, and then connecting with students like me at a young and vulnerable age, the overwhelming communication I received, and this is the way most brainwashing, social engineering, psychological conditioning, programming, all whatever you want to call it, the way the vast majority of it occurs is it occurs without the person consciously being aware of it or consciously knowing what's happening to them. It's like a subliminal and subconscious transformation of the inner personality. So I remember being bothered by it because I distinctly remember that in earlier grades, the, the word consumer was very briefly mentioned, but it was always mentioned within the relationship of the money activity of society or the economic activity of society interfacing with the people side of society, the individual people side of society. So whenever it was that I briefly heard about the term consumer, it always had to do with it's simply being a synonym for the middle class, the working class, the ordinary American guy and girl. The term consumer became, and this was intentionally planned by them, to be synonymous with, you know, the regular ordinary American citizen. 
So what, and that bothered me, and I found myself resisting it. And the reason it bothered me, and I found myself resisting it, is that even though on a fully conscious level, I could not have told you why I was bothered by this stuff, why uh, I was resistant to this label. I couldn't have told you all that back then, because what I'm talking about now to you on the Paul McGuire Report, what I'm talking to you now about represents a higher level thinking process, a higher level perception process that you yourself can use anytime you want to by simply flicking on the switch in your brain, or that you can use as a mechanism of perception or discovering your identity or whatever, should you make the volitional choice with your will, and should you choose to actually turn on your brain and use it. But you see, because of social engineering, the vast majority of Americans have been dumbed down, and they don't think about the ramifications of these higher-level concept ideas and words. Okay, they're not as harmless as they appear to be. That's my point. So, what you come away with, you came away with it if you went to school. I came away with it. We all did, whether you went to private school or public school. What you came away with, subconsciously at least, was this, this false concept that what you really are, see, what you really are is a God-created human being that the Creator God created, Creator as in capital C, as in Creator in the book of, of, uh, uh, the book of Genesis, where it talks about the create, creation account of history. And so remember, when you have a biblical worldview, a biblical worldview gives you the ability, the power, and the knowledge to be able to think on at a higher level of thinking than most people. So what I'm saying, in, in a very polite way, is that if you will be willing to renew your mind with the Word of God, if you would be willing to frame your thoughts in accordance with the biblical worldview and understand all the ramifications of what it means to have a biblical worldview, if you will obey God and bother to develop a biblical worldview as he commands you to in the Old Testament and the New Testament, then you, you, you will renew your mind, whether you realize it or not, and then you will automatically develop the mind of Christ. And, and, the, and the sum total of the result of all that, that transformation of you and the people you love into a fully viable, fully human, God-created individual whose life is here by divine purpose, who God made you individually as a real human being. See, that's all the stuff that, that's called truth. And you resonate with it, and I resonate with it. Why? Because it is the truth, and the Holy Spirit inside us resonates with that truth. So remember, we had the fall of man where Satan and Lucifer, or Satan and Lucifer, the same thing, rebel. Now, what Lucifer has tried to do is consolidate his power grip, consolidate his rulership using the fallen angels, using the different rankings of demons, and utilizing evil men and women who are tapping into satanic knowledge and satanic energies. They have been very busy, and, and, and this. The, the truth of this is warned about in, in books by secular authors like 
uh, the author of Brave New World, um, and uh, the author of uh, other books like 1984 by George Orwell. These books both depict a dystopian future where people are subjected to mind control and brainwashing. So we, the reality, the epiphany I had around that same general time period after reading Brave New World by Aldous Huxley, is I realized that everything Huxley was warning about that, that appeared like it was going to happen in the far-off future even though the book Brave New World was written in 1922, the fact of the matter was was that this Brave New World was shaping up and materializing all around us, and that what Huxley was saying is, wake up. Wake up immediately, because this Brave New World that I'm showing you, that it is coming now, that it's here now, and it's forming before your very eyes, wake up. Be engaged, be involved, and be fully human. Because if you don't wake up to a potential threat to your identity and personality and the sanctity of your psychological being, you are going to be subjugated by a power-hungry globalist elite, and they are going to take steps to enslave you and make you their slaves on every level. And the way that they will make you their slaves will not be done in the traditional manner. It will be done in the manner that's expedient to them. It will be done covertly through scientific mind control, scientific programming, psychological programming of the human being, uh, technological programming, indoctrination, propaganda, will all be used scientifically to control the thoughts, the identities, the behavior, of millions and millions of people, so that it's kind of like a dictatorship that pretends to be, that masquerades as something kind and benevolent, but in reality it's cold, sterile, and dictatorial, and totalitarian. So, the critical thing is that we have an epiphany, we understand this. So I, so I understood that we were in Brave New World. That's what separated me as a third grader, that's what separated me from my teachers, my educators, and all my fellow students. They read the book, la di da di da di da di da They read the book like that. And, and when you read the book, Brave New World, like that, you think Brave New World is just some kind of sci-fi novel warning you about some far, far, far off sci-fi futuristic novel. And that is exactly the opposite of everything that Aldous Huxley was trying to do. What Aldous Huxley was trying to do was to show the reader, wake up, this brave new world that I'm writing about is, hey, wake up, folks, it's not science fiction. They're calling it science fiction, but the brave new world that I wrote to you about in the book is fully alive right now. It's alive, it's kicking, it's going to start taking over, it's going to start initiating revolutions until it sweeps around the entire planet. And, and then Huxley was saying to the human race, whether you realize it or not, this very dystopian future that I warned about in my book, Brave New World, is alive and well all over society and Western nations. And see, I understood that. I understood that Huxley's passion was intense because Huxley could see with his eyes that yes, this 
this danger is forming itself all around me. And I need to, to help alert and inform people as to the potential danger of this. And so he wrote Great New World. Now, on a, on a more simplistic level, going back to the overusage of the word, word consumer as part of a propaganda brainwashing process that inundates children where they're in school. No, that's not a falsehood. I'm telling you the truth, which will set you free. Your child, yourself, through the educational system, through the entertainment industry, through the media, through well, every type of input in your life, they are all telling you a hundred different ways that your identity and your job is to perceive yourself as a consumer and a good citizen and a team player. That's their goal. Fit in. Don't ask too many deep questions. Don't question the authority or you know, why you have to do this or whatever. Don't, don't go there because there will be negative reinforcement. In fact, that's what they call it. B.F. Skinner, the father, the psychological father of uh, what became known as Skinnerian conditioning. He believed that every psychological problem, every societal problem, every uh, cultural problem, all came down to the psychological conditioning or the psychological programming that we receive from our parents, society, and society's institutions. So he believed that he could literally bring about a paradise on earth by developing mechanisms to reprogram people everywhere, to reprogram them so they fit into the, into the box of behavior, the box of program thinking, the box of accepting all the programming like the, the, the workday and your identity as a consumer. And, and he developed ways to successfully reprogram society, culture, as well as human beings. And his ideas were used by prisons and the educational system and so on and so forth. Now, as we're progressing down this particular direction in American society, which we definitely are, you have to understand that all of these people, these elite, they're all operating on the same foundational or the same foundation foundational and, op, um, and applicable principles, same foundation. They're all operating the same foundation, which is to, to inculcate, to brainwash men and women that they're just consumers and just good citizens, and to basically comply, be obedient, and go along with the program. They are very busy designing all kinds of psychological uh, programming techniques to to shape and mold you into a person like that. And part of it is the usage or lack of usage. Words are everything in this process. That's why you have this whole woke generation. And you have, before that, you had words which were deemed politically correct and words which were deemed not politically correct. And the hidden agenda behind creating politically correct words and words that are not politically correct the hidden agenda behind all of that was social conditioning, the social creation of your identity, and, and programming you to think a certain way, to behave a certain way, and to act a certain way by repetitive programming and scientific mind control. So that becomes a method of external programming. Now, going all the way back to the story again, where I talk about reading 
about the word consumer, it dawns upon me that that this concept of you know calling everybody consumers and viewing the masses of people, the working class and the middle class, and viewing them as quote just consumers is if you think about it, and that's the whole point. You're either going around the flow, but you're either going with the flow in your life, or you're you've chosen to live in zombie land, the, the, the land of the living dead, and you've chosen to become as to become a zombie because you no longer are fully thinking. You are simply acting out the programming you've been given, and so we have. Hundreds of millions of people in America and across the world who are basically living inside of their minds in a place called zombie land. And they just are like robots or clones or zombies or whatever you want to call them who, who are acting out living in some kind of artificial reality which they know nothing about. That is a, if you do that, and I will tell you the larger majority of Christians do that, they comply. So if you do that, what happens is you become what they're programming you to become. You become this soulless form of identity that they call a consumer. So what that does is it violently, the overusage and the inappropriate usage of terms like consumer, uh, uh, the, the, the manufacturer, the consumer, you know, the business owner, the the globalist elite, etc. All, all of that terminology goes viral into your body, brain, and soul, and it creates an entire social system, monetary system, and credit system. Because, because in a capitalist nation that once was capitalist Christian, but now it's morphed into more just a capitalist nation, when they they so the sociologists, the professors in the universities, etc., when they're educating your children, they're referring to your children as if they were simply uh, consumers, nothing more, nothing less. Consumers. But what that does, what that action does to reclassify people as simply just consumers, that action I would suggest to you is not a benign action. It's not an altruistic action. It's not an action which um, uh, enhances people. I would suggest to you that the usage of that term, consumer, is, represents a, viol a psychologically violent action that is perpetrated upon ordinary people and the masses. It's perpetrated on them in a, in a kind of quiet violence. And it's violence because it's invoking a psychological and spiritual brutality, which ultimately ends up targeting people who are not, in the deepest sense of the definition, you and I and all people are not, by any uh, definition of the words, we are not consumers. We are human beings. We are people. We are the children of God. This is bedrock Christianity. This is the powerful foundation of Christianity. Christianity is truth and not a religion. And this, the ability to deal with this intellectually, like I'm doing with you right now, should be the bread and butter of Christian educational systems, Christian churches, and any Christian institution.
this kind of thinking should not be secure or punished because it's too intense for people to handle. Baloney. This level of thinking should be used in order to instill a biblical worldview. Because without a biblical worldview, you will not know the truth which sets you free. Okay, so let's change positions here. I became aware that, the, 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 you know, to call the, a creation of God merely a consumer is, is a form of racism. It's a form of prejudice. It's a form of, of thinking that you have a false superiority over other people. And it's a means of dividing and conquering so you can be the all-powerful ruler. See, so you understand why I say it when you, when you program people to believe that, you are uh, affecting upon them a kind of psychological violence because it destroys them and enslaves them. Do you understand the connection here? You need to understand it or you can't be free. Okay, so there were the introductory courses where I learned that because we're a capitalist society, every, I'm simplifying it. Basically, everybody has a job. They earn money. Or, or today, they inflated the currency. So now two people have to work to earn the same amount of money that one person could, could have earned 60 years ago. Okay, so what they do, they begin programming your identity through the usage of words. So. They don't. Very subtly, they move away from referring to people as children of God, or people, or individuals. Those are no-no words. Those are the words that are not politically correct. Those are the words that are banned. Because they want every word, or every title, or every statement that means something, all of it must adhere to, and partner with, and help empower the giant global agenda, which is to enslave the minds and hearts of mankind. See, what this implies, if you're really examining it by turning up your God-given perception powers, and let me tell you this, some of you think that you do not have God-given perception powers, and I would suggest to you that one of the evidences of the fact that you have been programmed or socially engineered to whatever degree one of the evidences that that is true is that the reason your mind keeps bubbling up with believing these false concepts about your identity and who you are, that in and of itself is evidence of the fact that you have been programmed. Because that whole trail of thoughts in which you perceive yourself not as a human being, but you begin to perceive yourself as, quote, just being a consumer— is part of the brainwashing process from beginning to end that they need to implement in order to create their brave new world. So they have to get everybody to perceive themselves as just consumers. So then, so they teach the capitalist society, and I'm not against capitalism, they teach the capitalist society, and then they teach the idea of employment and work and making money, and then they teach the idea of uh, a capitalist economic system where you buy, sell, and things like that, and then they teach you uh, that your identity, in other words, who you really are as a person, can only be understood when you understand yourself as a person who, whose real identity is that of a consumer. And a consumer is an individual that lives inside a capitalist system 
who earns money by, by providing a service or manufacturing or creating a product or whatever it is, or being a teacher or a fireman, whatever it is that generates money for you and your family to live by, that money comes out of your employment. And so essentially, even though you may be a fireman or a cook or a scientist or whatever, subconsciously, you are acting out on your programming, and your programming has told you that you are, first and foremost, a consumer. And a consumer is somebody who pays taxes, earns money, and then goes out and spends the money to get whatever they can get, <clears throat> a luxury item, a survival item, whatever it is. But the, the constant identity is that of being a consumer. And so what they've done in well in one fell swoop, probably unnoticed by 99% of the parents and probably unnoticed by 97% of the students, in one fell swoop, they have applied the wrecking ball to any thoughts that are embedded on the foundation of what could be called true truth or final reality, which is the real reality that God created versus some kind of artificial or virtual reality in, in, in which each one of us, without realizing it, is adopting the role of, of some entity like being a consumer. And again, a consumer earns money, spends the money, buys, sells, uh, and that enables them to survive and earn a living, etc., etc. And so society views you, well, society may view you as a fireman or a policeman or a teacher or a truck driver or a waitress or whatever. That's part of your identity, according to society. And the other part of your identity, according to society, is no matter what particular job or role you have, you are also a consumer. And the problem with defining people as consumers is that on a psychological and a spiritual level, it applies the wrecking ball to the psyche of the human personality. It destroys inside the human personality any higher level concept that you could be far higher in importance to God, the universe, and this world. That in actuality, the truth is your value as an individual, your, your, who you are in terms of the true truth of who you are. And this is all important. It's important that you totally grasp the truth that who you are, who you really are, is much, much higher, is far higher elevated in every sense of the word. Your identity, your real identity, not your artificial identity, your identity places you up far, far higher on so-called social scale than you realize. And this is where you've got to know the truth, and the truth so sets you free. You can't allow society to brainwash you. You can't allow society to reduce you to being a mere product of manufacturing. You can't allow society to turn you into nothing more than a consumer. All of those false or, or incomplete definitions all of those things have the byproduct of destroying you internally because you will, most people will essentially believe what they're told and they won't question it. But, but God wants you to go beyond what you believe or what you've been programmed to think you are. And then God wants you to realize that who you really are, 
who you really are today and every day prior and in the future, who you really are, especially if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, especially if your sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus, especially if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, who you really are is you are not some slave in Satan's kingdom. You are not some pawn on a chessboard. You are not some device like an electrical can opener or something. You're none of those things. You are in your created being far higher and far majestic, more majestic, and far more important than the world system ever wants you to know about. Because they're in a full-fledged 100% conspiracy to shut out the truth from your life. And you really got to know that. You really got to own that truth. Okay, so contrasted to a biblical worldview, here are a few bullet point facts that dispute the falsehood of being called a consumer. Because you see, consumer, that's like saying you're a soda machine. You know, you, you, you use a credit card, you put in whatever it is, it keeps getting higher and higher every day. Let's say you put in two or three dollars for a small bottle of soda or something at the soda machine. Well, your identity, you're not just a soda machine performing some simple function, okay? That's not you. You're not some simple machine like, you know, uh, uh, an electronics unit, which is a technological machine. You're far more than that. Your value to God is worth far more than that. So if you're trying to understand your identity, it is beyond importance to understand your identity in terms of the light and the truth of God's Word. And the light and the truth of God's Word will bestow upon you instantaneously, if you'll receive it, the fact, the truth, that you are not by any means just a consumer. That, again, that's like simply calling you a soda machine or whatever. That's re- it's violence against you because it's, re- it's using a lie to define you. And Satan is the father of lies. So you want to break off the lies that are defining you. And then you need to allow the Word of God and God Himself to redefine you according to His Word. Now, when you redefine yourself according to God's Word, you are renewing your mind with the mind of Christ. You are now receiving the truth, and the end product will be the truth will set you free. So when you know the truth about who you really are in terms of your identity in this world, when you know that truth, like who you really are, you are then able to become everything that you were truly created to be. But there are very powerful people, very powerful entities, very powerful secret societies that do not want you to even remotely know who you really are. And so they'll use everything in their power, including social engineering, to block you from discovering who you really are. Because when you discover who you really are, you will have the power. And when you have the power, you will be set free. And God never created you from the beginning. Listen carefully. God never created you from the beginning to be uh, a consumer. Being labeled a consumer is a product of the fall of man. When God created the original man and woman, And that's the blueprint. That's the template for every one of us for our identities and our futures. Notice that God created us. We're not some accidental, random collection of pots and pans and 
old radio wires and stuff like that. We're not just like consumers or whatever they want to try to reduce us into being slaves. We are in in the viewpoint of God, which is the viewpoint of truth. We are people that have been directly created by the divine creator, capital C. We are, because of that, the children of God. Now, being the children of God and then being born again by the Spirit of God, being regenerated again by the Spirit of God, which is Jesus Christ living inside of us, we then become new creatures in Christ Jesus. We were formerly slaves. We were formerly, in many respects, consumers, which is just a fancy name for a slave. We were formerly just employees uh, doing whatever our assignment was. That's who we used to be. Now, we have to distinguish between the physical and spiritual world. We may continue for a season or a long season to to be or to function uh, with these lower-level titles. But the challenge is not to succumb to the demands of the lower-level titles, but to begin to perceive yourself in your inner man or woman as who you really are according to the Word of God. And this is just, is just a brief description of who you really are when you have the knowledge of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus. That means you are an inheritor of the greatest fortune, the greatest wealth ever uh, assembled in the history of the universes, in the history of all creation. You are the heir to the throne of thrones. You are an heir to the Son of God. You are an heir to the King of Kings. And your inheritance is so wealthy and so awesome that there's no way to confine it. You are, by the direct creation and definition of God, you are, you are an entity, a human being, who lives at the highest, highest level of God's creative order. Therefore, according to God and the priorities of God, you, your life, your existence, you, everything that makes you, you, you are in some total a high-level creature of God that has an eternal assignment, an eternal mission, and you have an eternal inheritance. You have been given ramped up far, far, far higher authority than you realize. Authority and power you've been granted on a very high level. And so you must begin to renew your mind and properly understand in the depths of your renewed mind that you are not just some, quote, lame consumer or this or that. That's an inferior definition of who you are. Who you really are is a joint heir with Jesus Christ who has been, been given incredible authority, power, assets, and everything else that, that begins in this world and comes to its fruition in the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, and, and uh, the, the new economic system, and the new sun, the new Jerusalem, and the new earth. Excuse me. So, that, so you are somebody of supreme importance because the supreme being has decreed that. Now notice that secretly there's a group of people who are at war with the esteemed position that you have been granted to by Almighty God, the supreme being. And this this group of people will do everything in their power to prevent you from knowing who you really are. Because if they know that if you know who you really are, you will receive power, and that power will set you free, 
And that power, most of all, this is what they understand very primarily, they understand that most of all, this power that you will receive, power from on high, intellectual power, the power of your purpose and identity, that all of these things will grant you the power to overthrow them as your illegitimate slave masters, because that's exactly who they are. They are children of the lie. Many of them at the highest level levels of the upper hierarchy of the, the pyramidal control structure. At the very highest levels, they have made a business deal. They have made a covenant with Satan or the devil. And they have pledged to worship Satan as God, Antichrist as God. They have pledged to do everything he asked them to do. And in turn, uh, the devil promises to give them power, whatever they want, no matter how immoral, how illegal, how horrible. The devil, the devil will give them their most sinful desires. It's because it's an unholy deal. They sold their soul to the devil, and then the devil is going to give them power and favor and wealth and knowledge and supernatural knowledge. He will give them all kinds of things to make sure that they are 100% carrying out his will, because they are the followers of Satan on the earth. Now, conversely, all of those people who, who received the knowledge of the truth allowed their identities to be formed by uh, what the Word of God says. Those people, they are now defined not as consumers. They are defined as the children of God, or the body of Christ. We're members of the supernatural body of Christ. That makes us joint heirs with Jesus. Positionally, that's a theological term, positionally, we have a throne waiting for us in heaven, near where Jesus is. We have a throne waiting for us because we are divine royalty in the kingdom of God. We have a throne waiting for us, and that throne has our name specifically written on it. And so when we enter heaven, there will be the full materialization of our identity, our hierarchy, and the totality of the divine inheritance that God has given us by grace. So not only will we be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, we are joint heirs with Jesus in this heavenly reward. And therefore, we will exercise the authority of Christ we will rule and reign uh, along with Jesus, and so we will, we, we, we will not be the Almighty God, but we will function with the power of God like an entrusted servant, but not servant in the demeaning definition of the world system, servant in the definition of it being an exalted position. Because remember, in heaven— Everything is based on the spirituality and the economics of divine love. So Jesus can be referred to as a uh, servant king. In, in the Bible, you see that God himself, men and women that God has raised up, are often referred to as servant kings or priest kings. The idea being communicated by the Bible is that they first function in the role of being servants or prophets or, or priests uh, whose, whose ministry is to serve. So it's from, biblically, it's from that position of humility 
that God confers upon us more of that joint inheritance, which means when we allow the Lord to shape and mold us with humility, we're then ready for the Lord to to confer upon us the supernatural authority, power, and title of an exalted servant of God, which is described in the book of Revelation. We become then servant kings, or we become then uh, uh, servant queens, uh, or priest kings, or priestess queens who rule and reign in the authority of Jesus Christ, this world. And so that's our true identity. And the Luciferian elite, because they want to dominate, they want to steal, they want to control, just as their evil father, Satan, does. They, they See, they want to be worshipped as God, like Satan does. And so in order to be worshipped as God, like Satan does, in order to have all the illicit power, the illicit money, the illicit whatever, in order them to maintain that so-called superior position, they have to constantly lie, cheat, perform occult rituals in an effort to circumvent the will of God. And so they will do everything in their power, and they are doing everything in their power, to program countless millions of people into believing, essentially, you're nothing more than a consumer. You're just, you know, a janitor, and then you die. Your life has no worth and value. And that's why the globalist elite and the Luciferian elite that control all the educational systems on planet Earth, especially in the United States, the entire massive educational system, both private and public, and the media, early on, used the Huxley family champion belief system known as Darwinian evolution, because it was the, the great-grandfather of, uh, of uh, Julian Huxley, who was one of the major champions for the theory of evolution fantasized by, by Charles Darwin. So the Huxley family, this globalist elite family, they were champions of Darwinian evolution. And what Darwinian evolution does is teaches children and students and men and women that all of us are here by evolutionary accident. There is no meaning to our life except for what somebody else assigns us a meaning. And that we are here by accident and we are here by random chance and there's no purpose or meaning in our life. We're not part of any divine creation. In fact, Darwinian evolution says we're an evolutionary accident. All of that, by the way, was just one lie upon another, because it's a direct antichrist assault on the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The very nature of eternal life is all being attacked within Darwinian evolution. So, Darwinian evolution was slammed into the minds of millions of children, like you and me, once upon a time. And they wanted to brainwash us into believing that there was no God. That's why they ripped down the Ten Commandments. They wanted to, to program us into believing there is no God. God does not exist. There is only man. There is no meaning to life. Um, and they totally brainwashed hundreds of millions of people into believing these lies. Why? Because underneath everything that I've been talking about, including the Darwinian lies, Underneath all of this is a massive, gigantic, spiritual, bloody, and spiritual all-out fight for 
the hearts and souls of mankind. For the hearts and souls of mankind. Please hear me. That's why I wrote my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. We're in it now. And so, as the agents of the Luciferian elite, as the Luciferian elite themselves, they illegally dominate this world through the usage of lies, deception, uh, supernatural powers, occultic powers, and lies and delusions and deception, which they use to put a spell on, and I'm serious, put a spell on, or on more, in more modern terms, to program hundreds of millions of people into believing that all there is is what they can see their eyes. Because what that does is that severs them, cuts them away from any remote possibility that they would ever discover the power, the majesty, the authority, the dignity, the, the, the heirship that they have as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. You see, the truth of the matter is that who they really are is vastly higher and more powerful than, than the slave mentality that they're being programmed with. And that's why the globalist elite, they zero in on the educational system above everything else and the children, because if they can warp the children, if they can destroy the content in the educational system, then they have the ability to enslave millions of people across planet Earth. And this is the primary way the battle's fought. So if they can get people to subconsciously see themselves as just little robot consumers, or little robot, you know, whatever their job is, they're fine with that because that keeps those people placated, it keeps their minds occupied, but it also enslaves their minds by, by programming them with a lie. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Remember, you and I right now at this moment, at this nanosecond, are in the greatest battle for the history of the hearts and souls of mankind. That's what's going on now, as never before. The only way we can transform our nation is to transform people, and young people especially. The way we transform young people, the way we transform our nation, the way we transform ourselves, is that we have to communicate truth strategically and effectively. Biblical truth that will set them free and help them regain the spiritual power and authority that they have. And the most strategic thing you can do for Jesus Christ in winning this all-out spiritual war is to allow your mind to be renewed with the word of, of the mind of Christ, and then learn how to be victorious in the power of the Holy Spirit against our spiritual adversaries. So I want to encourage you to ask the Lord how you can help us, how you can stand with this ministry financially and with your donations. And then whatever God tells you to do, obey Him. Thank those of you that are obedient. I want to thank you for that, because we are making progress in turning people around. And then I want to ask you to join us by signing up to our e-blast, liking, following, etc., all of our social media, because all of our social media is has been rigged for quite a while, and we need to take it back. We need to take it back the lies which are projected out as a false manipulation of the numbers and the data and the statistics that that are reported with our with our social media. You've got to step in because the other side is playing all kinds of dirty games. They spend thousands and thousands of dollars buying extra viewers, extra likers, extra watchers, extra listeners to their social media. I know people, Christian and non-Christian, who have built 
large outreaches for either commercial reasons or spiritual reasons. And a key component of what they do is they buy viewers, watchers, likers, followers, listeners, so that when people see their website, if there's an astronomical number of people following their ministry, but it's all it's all made up. It's all cotton candy. It's all hot air. It doesn't really exist. All they did was pay one of the search engine uh, search engine companies to to multiply vastly the number of followers, likers, and joiners to to, to their social media. Well, I'm not going to waste God's money on buying uh, uh, numbers, and those numbers are not those numbers don't guarantee, by the way, that you're even remotely reaching or even remotely communicating to people that are spiritually open or spiritually hungry for the biblical message you're presenting. You're just buying numbers. They could be sports fans or whatever. And so, yeah, you know, when they're, they're doing the computer evaluations of how many people are watching this or liking this or whatever, it shows up, but it's an illusion. It has nothing that's tangible or real to you because you're buying just huge numbers of people to pad the numbers of likes or watches on your social media. But it's counterfeit money. They don't; Those people don't really exist. Therefore, there's no real ministry value or no real evangelistic value in what you're doing. And that's the whole purpose of the Paul McGuire Report. It's real evangelistic ministry and real uh, biblical teaching ministry and apologetics. Now, I'm not, I'm not going—I'll do anything that's prudent. I'll do anything that's intelligent and wise in terms of— uh, social media growth, of course I will, but I'm not going to do something that is essentially cheating to get numbers, and the numbers don't reflect any real value, because these are not people that have indicated in any way, shape, or form that they are even remotely interested in the Bible, remotely interested in Jesus Christ or salvation. They're just little phantoms that appear as a number on your social media, but they but they don't connect to anything real. I hope I made myself understood. So I need your help in signing up, liking, following, making a positive commenting on all our social media. And please don't suffer under the delusion, oh, well, then people will know who I am. I'm not, I'm not giving away your real name. I'm not even asking for your real name. And by the way, I'm not asking for any information at all unless you're making a purchase. That's an entirely different system. Remember that. If you're making a purchase, then in order for us to securely and safely process a donation or, or anything through our financial system, of course, there's certain basic minimal questions we have to ask to protect you and to protect us. But when it comes to uh, other areas, I don't ask you for anything. And I give everything I can give away, or our ministry can give away for free, we do. The overwhelming majority of the people we reach on multiple levels, it's done because we have faithful partners like you that donate and contribute. Yeah, you're getting blessed for free. And many people are being reached for free, and I think that's good. But some of you that are being blessed for free, you need to kind of like get real with God and say, God, I'm getting blessed for free, but there's a lot of people who could be reached evangelistically for free with just, you know, even a small donation. So I want you to consider that. and ultimately. I ask you to ask God what you should give in terms of a donation or contribution, and then obey whatever God tells you to do. And help us with the rigging problem by signing up and following. Help us by defending us 
out there in the internet. There's a lot of wolves. There's a lot, you know, there's there's a ton of people out there in the internet. You probably already know this. There's a ton of people out there on the internet who essentially don't exist in the real world. They're they're bots with artificial artificial faces, artificial voices, artificial names, and it's even easier to do when you don't use a real face of a person or you use some kind of icon or symbol for a person, like an American flag represents, let's say, hypothetically a person. But when you do that, that's your business, not mine. That's great if you want to do that. But for people who have malicious intent, that gives them an opportunity to try to hide who they are, try to hide who they are, so they can try to tear down people from the outside. So you've got to be careful about that. But thank you for your faithfulness. I appreciate it. Thank you for your faithfulness in every way. And you can visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. Okay, we'll be back in a moment to open up to you powerful spiritual weapon that comes from a powerful knowledge and understanding of a principle that can positively transform your world for the better and transform the nation, the community, the town, or whatever you live in. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us, and we will be back in just a moment. Okay, this is the Paul McGuire Report. So I gave you some ideas, not ideas, truths about superstructures in the world that we live in. And what I want to do is to begin to connect you to a deep source of truth and knowledge that is being concealed from you and hidden from you by the, by the mainstream media. I have been talking about this concept, by the way, for 35 years, all right? Longer, actually. Because when I first became of Aldous Huxley's Brave New World and what that meant for you and me and our children, and then I became aware of H.G. Uh, Wells, the great science fiction writer, but the great thinker, the great social activist, the great uh, world leader. And he was the author of sci-fi books like War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man, The Island of Dr. Moreau all of which deal with many of the topics that I deal with on the Paul McGuire Report on a regular basis. So, um, in fact, now I didn't want to, you know, I was going to give you a, te a direct testimony of how this ministry has reached, this was years ago, how this ministry reached millions of people by seeding into their minds powerful truths and concepts that are now, it's just now that these concepts like the world brain, etc., are coming to the, are beginning to come to the, the forefront of the public consciousness. But we lit a fire of truth decades ago, and it's now that truth, is, it's not a fire of destruction, it's a fire of truth. And the light from that fire of truth is, is bringing the light of truth into our world. And you see you as a partner with Paul McGuire uh, Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church. You, you made that possible and strategic. Okay, so I've been talking about this. And, and you say, well, what does this have to do with the gospel? Everything, because what I'm reading to you is essentially the game plan outlined in Bible prophecy. But I'm simply taking Bible prophecy and I'm connecting it to real world current events scientific discoveries, technological events, and things of that nature. In other words, I'm making Bible prophecy, Lord willing, come alive and making it vibrant to people who, who are interested in it by making it real and relevant. And your help and partnership 
makes that happen. So Aldous Huxley's brother was Julian Huxley, one of the founders of the United Nations. He was the father of transhumanism. And Julian Huxley was the head of UNESCO, which, was, which is the United Nations Educational and Scientific Organization. And these people all moved in a very close social, friendship, intellectual network. So people like uh, uh, Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, people like Julian Huxley, the father of transhumanism, people like um, uh, the author of 1984, uh, George Orwell, and I could just name name after name. Oh, and people like the great science fiction author, thinker, H.G. Wells, and I can just keep going on. They all knew each other. They, they all belonged to some of the same secret societies. They all had the same network of friends. And that should, should just, like, blow your mind because it reveals the truth. Okay, so, so Julian Huxley, the, the brother of Aldous Huxley, Julian Huxley, who was also, again, as I said, the head of UNESCO, he created a lot of his ideas, flowed out of the ideas developed by his brother, Aldous Huxley, and ideas that were, were developed by the great science fiction author uh, uh, and world leader, and he was a world leader, H.G. Um, Wells, you know, for the world, etc. And H.G. Wells was developing, H.G. Wells was an openly militant, uh, an openly militant secular humanist who was openly militant about establishing an all-powerful world government. The Huxleys were all for a world-powerful world government. And so Huxley wrote a lot of nonfiction books promoting the New World Order, promoting the world government as the answer to all of mankind's problems. World government is and was a religion for these people. You understand? It's their religion, but they have a militant religion, despite what they, what they claim. So, um, H.G. Wells' ideas were borrowed by the United Nations and UNESCO, etc. And H.G. Wells would write about the New World Order promoting it, and endless, super, super uh, liberal humanistic ideas. And he developed this idea of a world brain, which would be a one massive global brain of knowledge and books and information, uh, and then eventually it would lean into a worldwide computer brain that, that storehoused, warehoused, managed, like a super library of information and more, and, and information on video and audio and film and literary materials. Like it's all the thinking, all the ideas, all the science of, of all of mankind compiled into like a super, super computer. And H.G. And Wells called this the world brain. Now, you go into what's happening right now at this second, even as we speak, and it's been going on at high velocity for the last number of years. You have the Great Reset, which is, it flows right out of the Huxley stuff. It flows right out of the world brain stuff and the world government stuff. And Klaus Schwab, uh, the head of the World Economic Forum, and his 
colleagues, if you can call them that, they are coming together with a uh, with the creation of a world brain and the billionaire class. It's interesting today, just almost like randomly, I ran across information about a, the digital world brain uh, in an article in Global Research that it that is being constructed, and the the neurological and cybernetic and computerized artificial intelligence techniques will eventually override all individual and override all human free will. And that's why this stuff is so deadly dangerous, and you need to pay attention, especially in light of the fact that the, that the mainstream media is hiding this from you. They are developing technology right now. Okay, so let's, I'm going to jump ahead. So I'm watching on video, on the internet, I'm watching a high-level meeting. It's open to the public in terms of, of its video broadcasting over the internet, free. So I'm watching Elon Musk and his staff, his top scientists, the guy who runs his, his uh, neural implant company. I mean, these guys are like super sharp scientists and super sharp scientist entrepreneurs like Elon Musk. I mean, Elon Musk is, is talking, and they're talking about, they're going full, and what Elon Musk, most of what Elon Musk proposes to do, he actually does. So Elon Musk is like the guy behind the, the, the satellites blasting into space with new rockets and stuff. You know, that's all the Elon Musk stuff is rockets. And then, you know, you got the Tesla car company with the, with the self-driving cars, and, and now you have this new computerized company called Neuro, Neuro uh, Implant. I was almost going to slip up and say Neuro Chip, <laughs> but that's a little too, a little too uh, on the nose. Okay, the Neuro Implant. So I'm watching him and all these other people. I'm watching uh, Elon Musk speak at this high-level meeting of the, of the top people at Neuralink, okay? And they're all talking about the invention of, of something which is eventually, which is basically a neural, well, they don't call it a neural chip. They call it a neural implant. And they've already developed the prototype and their plan, and they're showing you the diagrams, the videos, the video recreations, and they're showing you how this tiny, 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 like sub-microscopic technology is inserted in deep into the human brain. And then it tells you all the things that, that it will empower the human brain to do. And it's like, if I was to tell you all the promises that they're eventually making regarding this neural implant, it's all like futuristic scientific promises. And so they're selling, they're pre-selling the whole concept of the neural implant by telling you how it can, it, I don't know what they're, they're using legal disclaimers, but they're essentially telling you it's going to end up curing Alzheimer's and, and all kinds of psychological problems and psychiatric psychiatric problems and you know allowing people to be healed again. Essentially, it's 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 almost performing the same miracles of Jesus Christ. Okay, and it will revolutionize uh, uh, the economy and and all kinds of things and heal the body internally through this implant. I mean, it's mind blowing, and they're building it and making it now. And they also talked about how AI, artificial intelligence, is a key, key part of it. So, their intentions, 
and a uh, 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 person named Jacob Nord Nordangard, excuse me, uh, wrote an article in uh, Global Research, The Digital Brain, Neural Techniques That Invalidate Free Will. So um, he's writing a book in which he's going to deal with this. And um, this is, you see charts and stuff of, of the conception uh, of, of what Elon Musk is doing. And there seems to be a parallel in, in thinking, a parallel in thinking and development of a world organizational structure uh, that is part of the digital world brain. So I'm looking at a chart, and at the very top you see the United Nations. It's a flow chart, an organizational flow chart. I see the United Nations on top, and below that is the digital world brain. Below that is the emergent emergency platform, and below, below that is humanity and the planet. So again, going, going down from the top, the executive governance, the top-level governance or rulership of planet Earth will be done by the United Nations, okay? Now, uh, the UN has always said from its beginning in 1948, that, that the UN is, is going to be a world or global government with a world parliament, and the UN is going to have, according to their own bylaws, they're going to have their own standing army uh, that is supported by a scientific council, sets laws, goals, guidelines, and executively enforces them. I just want to add something to this, to this. the importance of thinking about things that you know what they're basically promising this 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 uh, loose alliance and sometimes close alliance of the globalist elite, the billionaires, the the entrepreneurs, and everything. What they're proposing is that they want to turn over the control and rulership of planet Earth. They want to take it from the people, and that means you, if you're an American, because as an American you have rights. By the way, when you read the documents of the global rights. Of, of a global population as proposed by the UN, you lose all your rights. And looking at this chart, you lost your rights because the top dog is the UN. But it gets worse than that. Then below that, there's a category uh, entitled the digital world brain, which, it, which will be responsible for anticipatory governance. That's just a fancy way of saying that via the digital world brain, and artificial intelligence, they will um, uh, anticipate potential problems and then be proactive and, and solve the problems. Okay, and then you have what's called multi-actor governance, and that's both world citizens, you know. And I think that implies when they say world citizens in quotes, they mean their world citizens. They mean the people that they've chosen, they've trained, they've indoctrinated. By world citizens, they mean the people that are part of their, like, invisible army to take over planet Earth. That's what they mean. They don't mean ordinary citizens like me and you. They mean their hand-picked god kings, their citizens, world citizens. So these plans uh, are being developed through the United Nations, and the, the UN has its uh, an organizational structure called Our Common Agenda. And our common agenda 
uh, is signed and is going to be signed by world leaders at the Summit of the Future in September of 2024. Now, in programs in the next days and weeks, I'm going to blow open information about this. And, and it is a plot, for crying out loud. I'm not going to hold back and say it's not a plot. It is a plot. I'm going to give you inside information on the agenda and plot for a global government that is being churned up at high speed right now as we speak. Right now as we speak, a self-appointed globalist elite, the 1%, the super trillionaires, the super billionaires, the most powerful people on planet Earth, have, have gotten together uh, and we, we, the people, refer to them as the, the Luciferian elite or the globalist elite. But they plan to use their monetary power with dictatorial force. And I personally believe that whether they come out in the open and say it or not, I personally believe that their personal philosophy, or what you could call their collective philosophy as people and as organizations, is a death philosophy and a highly dangerous philosophy because they believe in the subjugation, the domination, and the control and the enslavement of their fellow human beings against their will, against the will of the people that they're enslaving. Now, they will always deny this. They will always masquerade and come up with these altruistic, benevolent, kind, compassionate, caring PR stuff. But when you look at the actions of what they're really doing, they're using advanced AI computerized technology to, to implement a, essentially, they're going to implement by force, by mind control, and by any means necessary, they're going to implement and install a globalist totalitarian regime that flows from the United Nations and rules your life, your children's life, your grandchildren's life, all their laws were, will overrule automatically any laws of America, like the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, all our so-called protection of freedoms. You've got to understand that secretly and under the table, many, many, many of our biggest politicians have accepted payoffs from them, money from them, and they're not doing the bidding of we the people of America. They're not looking after our incomes our medical, or anything else. They're not, they don't care about that. They are doing the bidding of the people who are writing out the, the million, million-dollar checks, and they are in the middle. They, this isn't a far-off dream. This revolution has begun already, and it's a computerized AI revolution that's working hand-in-hand with the Luciferian elite and the globalist elite, and if you read their information and, and you read the research that I've done in my books, like Power from On High, you read that research, I will show you with documentation that we are 100% right now, we are 100% on the fast track to a total artificially intelligent, computer-driven, computer-controlled global dictatorship ruled by the 1% who have conferred upon themselves the title of, you know, hey, we're the masters of the world, and you are our slaves. This is a repeat of what happened biblically in Egypt with the Pharaoh God-King system. This is why uh, we keep calling it, Troy Anderson and I do in our books, and I do in my books and his our books together, 
like the Babylon Code. This is the dirty, nasty, dark, occult secret of all of it. This is the dark, deep, dirty secret of Mystery Babylon. It's a hidden political, economic, total domination, total control system, and it's moving at fast forward in our lifetime. So every time you see a crisis and you tempted to think, oh, that's just the, uh, you know, it's global warming. Like there was a massive storm today. Maybe you saw it on the news, wiping out entire villages. They said in something like in less than 90 minutes, no, excuse me, in less than an hour, they had as much rain in one hour as they had in, in 90 years of, uh, of their seasonal rain. And constant, uh, if you watch the news carefully, and you're paying attention to, the, to what they're not saying openly, but you can read between the lines. So, for example, once again, I can't tell you how many news stories I've seen. Big-time, famous athlete dies today. He drops dead mysteriously, uh, not on the sports field. He takes a yoga class, a half a yoga class. And so I guess he was performing in some kind of professional. He's a professional athlete. He gets big bucks. But he drops dead mysteriously on the sports field. Not on the sports field. Excuse me. He drops dead mysteriously while he's practicing Hatha Yoga, but he's on the sports field. You understand what I'm saying? He's in tip-top athletic shape. And so how come there's this large number of very mysterious sudden deaths by by professional superstar athletes in their prime, and then for no apparent reason, they're dropping dead on the ground, which is what happened to this guy. He was performing yoga, but yoga normally lowers blood pressure, in, etc. So why are all these in their prime athletes dropping dead? And then I'm not going to tell you the answer because I've already showed you how you can connect the dots and, and determine the answer for yourself. Why are all these males, especially in the prime of their health, in the prime of their athletic careers, why are they all mysteriously dropping dead? What is it that has happened to their bodies in the last three years or so that could have changed internally the way their bodies function and work, etc.? Has there been, I'm asking a question, has there been some kind of uh, global change or global inner transformation of their biological or bodily state? Now, you answer that question, and you should be able to answer that question with a snap of your fingers, because I've been talking about it, many of you do it anyway, over and over again. There's a reason for that. And by the way, here's an important clue. There's a connection between that reason and everything I've just discussed about this world brain and a planetary dictatorship. You've got to know the truth, because the truth sets you free. Stand with us in practical ways. Your prayers, your activism, and your donations are essential. Thank you for listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire.